Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the Hotel series. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes the award-winning novel Dibs, Since September, Move on Melinda, and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Joining us today, fresh off some jet lag all the way from Edinburgh, (laughs) but currently in LA, we have Simon Stevenson here to talk about his spectacular new book, Sometimes People Die. Simon, thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. We had such a l- nice time last time out. So it's I know this is your again. second appearance here on Vox Vomitus. So now yeah. you're a Vox regular. There you're we go. Well, we even had people who were asking when you would be back, including Elisa, oh, wow. who who was like, "Oh, Simon's coming back. When's Simon coming back?" So, oh, Elisa, great. Well, thank you, Elisa. Nice, nice to see I know you. Again. Last time you were here, we were talking about uh, your book, which was like this quirky romance sci-fi. Set, uh, set my heart to five. Yes. And then this time, Allison was just like, oh, Simon has a new book. And I was like, oh, definitely, let's get him back. And then she said, it's a medical thriller. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm still not even sure that's correct. And I'm sitting there. I don't know if you saw the post I was posting about you coming on for Sometimes People Die. I don't even know. Medical thriller? Slow burn medical mystery with... uh, How on earth did you pitch this thing? So yeah. it, it, it's really tough, isn't it? I mean, I, I think the first thing to say is that whatever you pitch it as, it's a lot easier than setting it than pitching it as a, a, a sci-fi comedy set in the future about an android who wants to be a screenwriter. Yes. So who's a dentist um, who watches yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. Um, no. people's sort of faces kind of glaze over when, when you try and pitch that. But this okay, one, except the, mine, because I was like, that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one. You're the one. It was um, me. So. Um, uh, but with this one, it, it's a challenge, right? Because um, there is this genre, I suppose, of, of medical thriller, right? And and I think we all sort of know, you know, what that is. And and we, yeah, said, we think, think Robin Cook, that's, coma, yeah, it's, it's Robin contagion. Cook taking yes. my organs out while I'm asleep, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Ridiculous yeah. in many ways. And they are almost always not grounded, even though medicine should be grounded. So maybe they don't seem so, so grounded in reality. Yeah, yeah, right. So we, we all have those sort sort of like like expectations mm-hmm. when, when we come to medical filler, and you know, you know it's 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 kind of like it's what you want, right? If if you order that thing from if you order you know spaghetti bolognese from the menu, you you want spaghetti bolognese. You don't want deconstructed spaghetti bolognese. With, <laughs> you, you don't know, want so, vegan spaghetti bolognese. You, you absolutely with you, gluten-free you, noodles. You You're a vegan, and you would want. I know. That. I'm like that's exactly what I would eat. Would be vegan, gluten-free. <laughs> um, and trust so, me, so, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so with this, that's the problem, right? Is, is, is that um, you know, I think understandably that. Um, the, the the box it naturally fits in is, is is medical filler, and I'm always a bit cautious about that because because I do feel that like that's not necessarily exactly what it is, and and I've had a few people say you know oh, it wasn't what I expected, but I liked it very much. But you you know so so the problem is though there's no um, there's no non pretentious way to pitch it. So, <laughs> so, so 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 like what what I started doing for a while was I started saying. Um, it's a literary thriller that takes place in a hospital. 
and they're like medical um, thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, a like, so, like, like so Robin it's, Cook. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a pretentious <laughs> medical thriller. And you're like, well, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess that. I don't but, think um, it's pretentious because I mean, I felt like this is a character-driven doctor about someone battling with addiction, where deaths start happening on his watch, and at first we aren't even sure if they're murders because you know what. Sometimes people sometimes die. people die. Maybe sometimes it happens. Die. It happens. I'll say when we throw in the word literary ever, and Allison and I have talked about this at length about our yeah. own work, about everything we read. The second you say I'm a literary blah or I write literary horror, people are like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, you right, think exactly. you're better than me. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. no, I don't. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's the, that's the challenge. Right. So, 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 so yeah, I like, like I sort of like, it, you're trying to find, I'm trying to find a way to say it, it's a medical thriller, but it doesn't really necessarily, you know, deliver what you want if it's if you want a medical so, <laughs> yeah. so um it's hard it, it it's doesn't hard. really I, follow I, I, like the thriller formula yes. where yeah. it's like it all takes place in a period of a week right. and nobody ever sleeps i mean nobody ever sleeps in this book but like <laughs> for well, valid do. reasons but they do but it's like middle of the day because the poor doctor's working night shifts and it's just awful and oh hey there's a train going by and of course he's not sleeping well because it's it's hard but I feel like in so many ways the character is what drives this more than the plot and even though the plot is so important and so expertly done I cared more about the character and what was going to happen to him will he pass his exams which I, I don't know there's there's the nerd part of me that was way too excited about that and the way you present it is this, I guess a little bit of a spoiler but the idea that the prejudices are just going to be the answer to everything. Oh, well, it's a gay man. Oh, he must have an STD. Oh, someone foreign. Oh, it must have some kind of bad be malaria. Maybe malaria <laughs> that that worked in. I I laughed at that so hard because I also don't think thrillers. I don't think they're allowed to be funny. And this is hilarious. Oh, great. Which yeah, it's hilarious and heartbreaking. Yes, all of those things. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I will say like um, Allison and I probably like back and forth kept messaging each other because Simon, we freaking loved the book. Like I can honestly say, I was like, it is one of the best books I've read in so long. It is oh, wow. definitely one of the best books I've read this year. And yeah, we read like, a lot of good books. Yeah. Sure. We read too many books. And I, and I, that's why I start with the whole, well, what do we want to call it? Because I'm off there sitting there on Goodreads, recommending it to all these people. And I already have friends who are like, can I borrow your copy? I'm like, after the show, then we'll talk. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where I don't want to call it a medical thriller because I don't want to set those expectations up of that person like walking with this syringe behind and then <laughs> hiding behind the corner and all that kind of ridiculousness that would never really happen in a real hospital. And I think that's the thing that really makes this sing is the fact that it feels so very real that it makes me go Simon how much of this actually happened that was going to be my question like how much of this was legitimately when you were a doctor because for people who don't know Simon was a physician and I feel like maybe this is just actually what happened and in which case we have some talking to do with the authorities <laughs> for sure for sure so are um, you off the drugs Simon let's start with I am I'm, I'm, I'm off the drugs apart from coffee um uh, no I, I would no I, I was never on the I've never done that. That's a great answer. Oh, that's just a real. Yeah. So, 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 I guess the thing is that um, you know, as a when you're a junior doctor in the National Health Service, you take you tend to move around hospitals quite a lot. And so, I worked probably in, frankly, if not every hospital in London, most hospitals in London. 
And so so the, the setting is very sort of real in terms of it's not a specific hospital, but it's it's very much drawn from life. And kind of the job that the character has is a version of, you know, many jobs that I did for many years. And um, so I think all that is, you know, is is hopefully pretty convincingly drawn from life. Um, and I and I gave it to like a few old colleagues who were like, oh yeah, you got it right. This is this is this is this is this is how it was. Um, and then um, uh, I guess the um, the bit that isn't true, of course, is is is, is, is all it's the murder. the whole murder. Um, the murder. Yeah, parts. yeah. And the addiction, you, you, the murder okay, and the so drugs. I had to look up what pethidine, pethidine is. It's demo, yeah. right? Because I, 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 I think it is. Like, yeah, because I know that. Here I have to. I remember when friends say things like, "Oh, a paracetamol." I'm like, "What the heck?" Because we don't call yeah. it that here. It's just, I, I yeah, yeah. We we we, we, we had such a big back and forth about yeah. whether to whether to change those names and, and Americanize them. And I think for the most most part we didn't. Um, but it was it was like every edit. That's what makes it literary. We can look things up if right. it's literary. But, it's, but, but it makes sense that he would use the term that he would use there. So if it's set in London, use the term the Londoners would use, not an American term, just to make it easier for the dumb Americans. Because <laughs> we can Google. It's fine. We can Google. Google. We know Google. how to do that. What drug was this? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so so, so all, all all the murder is is, is made up, but I, I suppose the notion of um, like the two things about a hospital are that you know people do die there. That's something that obviously happens, and everything's supposed to be secret. Everything in America you have HIPAA, and you're not you're not allowed to tell anyone anything. So so those two things put together, you can kind of imagine that you know murders could happen and I suppose that bit was just my my imagination running away from me but then when, when when I got into this thing of um because the thing for me is is that like um healthcare murder is it's such a like just horribly transgressive crime like it's like the opposite of what those people are supposed to be doing right and so um as much as I think it's a uh who done it I kind of wanted to be a, a why done it right as like, yes. like, like what on earth can drive you to, to do this thing and so, and so that's where um you know the book has these kind of non-fiction real vignettes of, 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 of real murders and, and I suppose so, so, so I suppose that's the that's the truthful bit that's the real bit and maybe <laughs> yes. something about having you know the truth mixed in with the fiction hopefully gives the fiction a bit more sense of reality where, where you think okay this I mean this does happen so yeah maybe, maybe I mean the book felt very real to me and I will go back to the the essays about the true crime healthcare workers healthcare murders I loved that um I'm a true crime nerd and I cheered out loud when we got to Jolly Jane Toppin <laughs> like, I, mean, I was like how do you have a favorite and like, I'm like oh as I like shrieked that and I texted it to Allison I'm like oh my gosh one of my favorite murderers and she said I wish you didn't have a favorite murderer <laughs> And I'm like, well, she's one of my favorite murderers. <laughs> she's up there, yeah. Um, uh, she's an interesting one, isn't she? Yes. Um, uh, and I love her. Be I'm like, I love her. I shouldn't say that. I'm very uh, fascinated by, I'm always fascinated by like, because I live in New England, any kind of New England crimes. Wonderful, I'm just yeah. like, yes. So anything Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont gets a special little like extra attention from me. Wonderful, and then when right. it's mm -hmm. a woman who murders, even more exciting. Mm -hmm. And she was a nurse. My mother was a nurse. I have oh, all these, she yeah, checked okay. off a lot of boxes.
Yeah, is, great. Are sure. you Jane's daughter? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> I am Jolly Jane Toppin's daughter. <laughs> that could be your thing. Well, and I just think that's part of the reason that this inclusion of these essays, I loved it because it also gave you these little breaks inside and go, okay, is this maybe why the person's doing it? Because throughout so much of the book, we have no idea what's motivating this person and parts of me are going, do we have an unreliable narrator? Is, is our unnamed physician behind all of this? But I love these inclusions, but I think that's also one people are going to go, this is literary because a, re a regular medical thriller would never have these inclusions, but they may have something like, I don't know, some kind of scientific study thrown in there to be like, this is the kind of organ that we're using for the organ black market transplant where we're <laughs> shipping these off. Yeah. I have no idea. I haven't read one of these in exactly. 20 years, but, but I loved those because I didn't, I did enjoy reading these little snippets about these very real people who did things like, grave robbing and then you know what that's that takes too long and the bodies don't stay fresh let's just kill them yes yeah, that, well, well so, so so those are my those are my kind of hometown heroes right those are from edinburgh where, 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 where i'm from um and it's funny because we all we all grew up you, you you know you grew up with that story and it's you know the kind of thing that you do like um you know, in, in history class, when you're in elementary school, you know, you do a little project on it and stuff. And, um, <laughs> oh but, but, but it's always, um, it's always like the two guys, like, 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 so, so I guess for, for people watching that the, the story in Edinburgh was, you know, like a lot of places they wanted uh, bodies, corpses to dissect the medical school. And the only way they could get them was actually just by stealing, stealing them from the graves. And the, the people, you know, there was these body snatchers that went around doing that, sold them to the medical school. And as you say, there was these two guys, Burke and who just took a shortcut and were like, well, let's just kill them and sell them. Um, but Cut out the middleman. It's smart business right there. It's, it's, it's really smart. But whatever, what's never mentioned really in, in the sort of official history is this guy, Professor Knox, that was buying them. Like, you know, you know because he seems, you know, as bad as, bad as anyone. And he just kind of, you know. Yes pretty much got away with it you, you know he got you know expelled from his society of fancy doctors for years yeah finger wag Stir, you, know? yeah. you yeah. shouldn't have done that um especially if there's other people around going isn't that guy the one missing from our neighborhood and he's like hmm, huh, i don't think so yeah well i mean he, I mean, he was you don't like, want to ask questions <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I mentioned it in the book, but the worst one is someone said that and he said, oh, yeah, well, let's just, you know, cut off their head before we dissect them in public. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Any sort of questions about who this guy is and how he got here and why he's missing and why he's currently laid on this table. No, I can't tell who it is without a head. Um, <laughs> when I read that essay, I did um, immediately retell it to my husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's also um, a true crime fan and he's. He knew Jolly Jane Toppin, so he was excited. Oh, and I'm like, oh, there's a grave robbing one. And he's just like, so I told him about the head being chopped off. And he's like, nice. Something, something for everyone. Great. Yeah, something, something for everyone. Decapitation <laughs> and murderous nurses. Bring the whole family. It's a family read. It's a good time. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. And not just, I mean, honestly, I, this sounds this sounds kind of, I don't want to say coarse, but kind of harsh, maybe that the murders weren't even the worst part for me. There were so many other things happening that just broke my heart over and over. And you don't think of a medical thriller as something that's supposed to break your heart. And this one absolutely did. And I don't want to give anything away. So I'm not going to say more than that. But this this wasn't a, oh, dun, dun, dun. It was more of a Oh, and and I, I Stephen likes to break my heart in different ways, whether it's for robots 
or for doctors. He just likes to just do this and crack mm -hmm. and throw the pieces everywhere, which you don't look at a book like this and expect that. So be warned, people. This will hurt. Like it will it. make it you will feel hurt. things. I know. If you have feelings, be careful with them. Yeah. I'm just saying. But you even have you even have nurses in this that I just I just love. And I'm we we did a little bit of fan casting because we have no self-control. We do that pretty much every single book we read, especially if we like it. And there is a nurse in this book, Louise. I love <laughs> her. I just, just I've never read a character like her before, and I wouldn't even know how to describe her other than just way too eager in so many ways. I'm eager. like She's eager to a fault in so many different ways. And yet I didn't dislike her. And I think, I think like maybe I have too much of her in me. Who cast you as Louise? Trying really, really hard. That's not right, Allison, but I'm trying really, really hard. <laughs> did you stop? No, probably not. Because <laughs> it's like uh, who 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 did you who did you cast? Did 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 you did you have a thought? I don't I don't know. I'm picturing know. just there <laughs> this is really old, but there was there was a character in um, in Greece, the one who's always like the the nerdy girl oh. who's always like student body president. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. my picture. Is always in that movie. He's like forty five years old at this point. No, we had long talks about. We had a long talk about Felix, Felix Smollett. Smollett. <laughs> you yeah. want to talk a little bit about Felix Smollett before we get into a arm wrestling debate here? Yeah, about, like who I want to play Felix Smollett. Yeah, so yeah. Well, well, I, I, I just, I just want to go back one more and just say that's really interesting that you picked um, that person from Greece because as you were talking, um, I began to think about um, uh, Reese Witherspoon in, in Election, and again, she would oh. be the right age now, but, but, yes. but that sort but of yes, exactly. and you know, the, you, you know smartness. Um, uh, Felix Smollett, yeah. Um, so he is, um, again, an, an amalgam of, you, you, you know, several different, you know, people that I had as patients, several people that I'm sort of aware of in the, in, in, in the media and things. In the book, Felix Smollett is a, he's a sort of up and coming musician. Who has a who has a, who has a drugs problem, and uh, um, he he becomes one one of the patients in the hospital, and he's sort of um, quite obnoxious. Um, he's one of the like I think they would call it. Uh, he 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 he's a mockney in that you know he's someone who pretends to be cockney from. He's a mockney. Mockney. Yeah. So he's a sort of mockney, like pretending you, you know a, a very wealthy person slumming it, pretending right. to be yeah. um, because he comes from this nice family. But he's like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really not like that. And then his parents come in, and it's like, oh, you've kind of outed my background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, yeah. oh yeah, dad's an admiral and mom's a lawyer or whatever or yeah. barrister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, so I mean, any of those, um, you, you know, sort of posh boy. British actors would would probably I mean they're all a bit too old like like Tom Hiddleston you know they're all forty and things yeah. you need the the twenty five year old Tom Hiddleston or the or the um uh but like, I was like, thinking like Timothy Chalamet because he's just like pretty enough and he plays yep. a really good junkie I'm just there like yep. I just have a hard time thinking anybody wouldn't just be fawning all over him the whole time and not everyone but is I feel like they our should, main doctor yeah well the main doctor definitely. Um, but if you see Timothy Chalamet in the movie Beautiful Boy, where he does play a heroin addict, um, yeah. he is not as likable. And I thought, yeah. he's so pretty <laughs> that I thought, <laughs> so pretty. Felix Smollett, right there. 
I was getting yeah, yeah, shallow uh, vibes. Yeah, sure. Let's see if he's available. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll just throw that out into the universe. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, I, I love to play the, 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 the fantasy casting game as well. And uh, um, the, one of the challenges is with the, the narrator, right? Because, of course, they're narrating the book from the perspective of being, you know, in their 40s, but they're talking about something that happened in their in, in their late 20s. And again, mm -hmm. it's that thing that, like, I might just be too old, but, like, all the sort of, you know, all the people I think of as movie stars, they're all you know at least 40 if if, yes. if if not older you you know so you think about you know from scotland like i think of course about say like the ewan mcgregor's yeah that's ewan mcgregor that's the first yeah. one i think yeah. of yeah. and then but, i'm like oh our he's only like scottish actor that we can name we're like ewan mcgregor or sam hewan from outlander would be mm. the other one who's mm -hmm. yes. right now. but again they would probably be too old to play this sort of you know 28 year old junior doctor so uh true but um, ewan played the the on train spotting he's got the whole i've done the drugs <laughs> So that, that that is. I mean, yeah. you know, he knows how well. to do drugs. It's true. He knows so how to do drugs on film. Is, yeah, and and if he had to do anything with a lightsaber, he knows that one as well. So he's got I don't think that was relevant to that. Maybe your other books. There, there were no lightsabers in those guys. So sorry, this is not Star Trek. <laughs> no lightsabers. This is the wrong one, and I should know better. That's okay. But I I, I loved all that, and is something. Who would you cast as Amelia? Perfect, wonderful Amelia. Uh, Margot I mean, Robbie. Margot Robbie, there you go. Yep, oh, yep. I mean, I would cast her, her in everything, of course. Yeah. She's yeah. she's too sharp. I need somebody who's very just sweet and lovable. Sure, like, like, yeah. like maybe, maybe she's a bit too, she, she, she'll pull a bit too much attention onto herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, amazing. Yeah. She can't help it. Hard to, hard to, you, you want someone to uh, kind of Florence blend in a bit. Pugh. Florence Pugh, Florence, perfect. Florence, yeah. Florence Pugh, maybe. I'm even picturing, oh, now I'm blinking, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Oh, from yeah. Westworld. Wow. Westworld. But again, she's too, she's not the right age. She's a grown-up. not anymore. We have the same problem. Like everybody, all of my pop culture references are 40 oh. to 50 years old. And then I I'm like, we've, yeah. we've aged. Who's in their 20s? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I yeah. remember, so way back when, when my first book came out, my sister was trying to fan cast the lead and she's naming people. I'm going, who are these people? They're way too young. She's like, yeah, but the people you're thinking of are way too old. I'm like, doesn't matter. And now <laughs> one of the ones she listed for my Adam now played Elvis. And I'm like, he's wow. 12, but so, he's not so, 12 anymore. Everyone needs to stop aging. It freaks me out. But she sounds like she's got her finger on the pulse. We need to get yes. her in on this. She I know. She needs to be a guest on like, the show once just so we can be like, can you please tell yeah. us who the popular actors are? <laughs> like, like, so I, I don't I have to say heard. things like, and Hathaway, but as what yeah. 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, she's like, could you please not suggest D like digitally aging me? Because the last thing we want to do is mm -hmm. like that that person on Twitter yeah. or I guess it was on TikTok who was doing the suggested physical physical alterations for Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things to make her oh, wow. perfect. It's like she is perfect. Now you shut up and go away. How dare you? Yeah. So we are not in any way suggesting that these people naturally aging is a bad thing. We're just saying, you know. You, you, yeah. we, gotta, we gotta get our newer references and for, for sure but, but she your well. sister sounds perfect because when, when that guy was announced for elvis i was like i've never heard of him this was my job oh. I've, I've never heard of him so uh, he, was on, um, he was on things on abc family on shows i did watch which is why i'm like no he's a kid because oh, okay. he was like a kid back then <laughs> yeah, but then again mm -hmm. they all keep aging i don't understand why that yeah. happens mm -hmm. they all keep getting older yeah. Yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. what we have to do is really pay attention to those kids on stranger things because and like <laughs> Two years, we're going to have to be casting them in everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> Honestly, Natalia Dyer could play Amelia. She really could. Just yeah. give her an 80s haircut this time. Give her, yeah. 
you know. A 90s haircut. I know. Just move forward one decade. That's all we're asking here. Just, just one. It's fine. It's well, okay. There is actually, there's one guy on Str- Stranger Things, the guy who's so, sort of new in the new series, like Eddie. Eddie, Eddie Munson. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, he, so, so he's actually pretty. as him. Yeah. And he, he's kind of in his late 20s. So, so, so he kind of probably would be someone who'd be about the right age for the main character. In oh, yes. Um, and, he, and, and he's very he's British, he's like, isn't he? hot actor. He's, he's British. Yeah. He's, he's not Scottish. So no. we'd have to, you, you know, find a way to forgive that. But um, uh, <laughs> train, yeah. him. Train, train him. Train him. They can be <laughs> trained. Yeah, we'll send him to Scottish boot camp. Scottish. <laughs> Is there such a thing? I just. I know. And what would that be? Just going to a pub in Edinburgh and. And trying yeah, to understand yeah, any of yeah. it. Like, the first they, time they I all... heard, no, like I heard Ewan McGregor speaking his regular accent one time, and I just yeah. went, I have no idea what he just said. That not knowing that what he usually uses was not his normal accent, and how much thicker it was. And I'm going, Californian got nothing, can't get it. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 exactly. Yeah, just making them that little bit unintelligible would be, would be, would be, would be <laughs> very helpful. Would be. Yeah. yeah, I think they call that the mumblecore school of acting now. <laughs> nice. Where there we go. Yep. It's very hot acting style to just have, uh, especially male actors, just mumble their way through um, yeah. most things. I, it was started by Tom Hardy. <laughs> I was going to say, mumblecore, Ooh. though, is a whole stream of indie films. I only know this mostly because I've been stalking Adam Driver, and you know that. And mm-hmm. a lot of those films that he was in, like Drowning Not Waving, that stuff's all the mumblecore, and it is that really quiet thing, and I think it's just their way of getting away without any special effects, because yeah. the budget mm-hmm. for mumblecore is $7. So it mm-hmm. works. But I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want to see a mumblecore version of this, because I need to hear people enunciating, and Louise would never mumble. Louise would articulate. She definitely would. All the way. Now, who would you Patrick? (laughs) 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 Patrick, for people who don't know, is a skeleton. I know. I was going to say, did you ever have a roommate that had a skeleton in his bedroom? I I, I didn't know, but there, there definitely was a thing where, like, you know, a few of my wealthier classmates bought, and they, they were never real ones. They were just, you know, plastic ones from, from the bookstore. But, but you know, it was a real sort of them and us, like the people that could afford to have a plastic skeleton to practice. <laughs> well, why their, would you their, eat their, one? Their, like, their seriously, bonuses. how hard um, is the anatomy part of, I need to memorize well, all the bones, and I'm going to stare I mean, at I mean, it. There's, there, there's a lot of bones, and to this day, like, like it's still, like, the one bit of medicine that I'm really uncomfortable with. Like, like, like I, like I just, probably feel like pretty safe with, with most things and then someone shows me like you, you know an x-ray of like a broken foot and I'm like oh is that mm-hmm. is that what a foot looks like I don't know well I guess that is one way of showing that your class distinction is there to go I have a real plastic skeleton I, have a plastic, I know the names of the bones in the foot <laughs> and I can point at them in my room on my plastic skeleton rather than just grabbing your own foot going hold on the knee yeah. bones there's too yeah. many bones like in this one in here yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i also do like the distinction between the the people who are doing like the orthopedic rounds versus other rounds and I, that reminds me for those people who loved scrubs the difference between like oh you're just like a sawbones versus an actual <laughs> internal medicine specialist <laughs> it was a little bit of that without without the over-the-top nature of it but I, I did love that aspect of it too. Like, I think, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I really feel like, and I'm, I'm saying this with no expertise at all. And Simon uh, was a physician, but I remember because my mom 
was a nurse, but she did primarily elder care. And when she would say that to people, they'd be like, oh, well, I'm an ER nurse or like, I work in the, like, it was completely different. Like, oh, you just take care of older people. That's not really nursing. <laughs> which, and, and, and which in truth is actually like, you know, the hardest, most challenging, most yeah. skillful thing is, is, is yeah. you know, I, I, I always talk about looking after the elderly as like, you know, it's like being a mechanic on like, you know, super vintage cars. But like, you know, you know, anyone can make like a, you know, a Toyota, Toyota Corolla can swap out the carburetor. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you know, you get like a 1930s old Model T and like 15 different things are broken with it. And you've, got to, you, 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 you've got to fix it. It's, 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 that, that's the real skill. Um, so uh, yeah, I love that. that. I'm going to, I'm no longer saying I'm getting old. It's just, I'm becoming more vintage. I am now. turning into a Model T. <laughs> well, and just and just that it's that whole idea of I don't know why anyone would look down on elder care because here you've got somebody who pretty much any part of their body could be falling apart at any given time and combinations of systems versus a young healthy patient who maybe has one thing going wrong with them. So you just focus on that one thing without necessarily worrying about it causing a domino effect where, oh, hey, by the way, now that this system's failing, now this system's failing. So we can't try that treatment because then it'll cause that treatment to be counterproductive or whatever. And again, knows very little about medicine other than just, well, just enough to look up what, what uh, you, you knew how to look up the medicine. I know. Well, <laughs> that, not only because when I used to work as an attorney, I did do a lot of healthcare related things. And so certain things I knew certain codes I knew and certain, certain things that when I, when I got in a car accident and they're showing me a picture of my spine and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know my, my lum- my lumbar is not doing that. This is not subluxated. Right. And he looks at me and he's like, you know this stuff. Are you a doctor? No, I'm an attorney. And then he just looks at me and his eyes got big. I'm like, just, can you give me so I can go? I just want medical care, please. Yeah. More painkillers. Yeah, you're you're, you're also a mum though, aren't, aren't you? So you have all that sort, sort, sort of inbuilt kind of mum medical knowledge, which, mm-hmm. which people get when they have, like, like, like I, don't, I don't have children and I was, um, you, you know, I, I worked as a pediatrician for a while and like, you know, all the stuff that's in the textbooks, I'm really good at, like, you know, but you'd work in the ER and, you know, people would come in and say, oh, my kid's doing this things you know like some some odd like you know they keep i don't know yawning every time they move to the right or something like 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 should they do that i I don't know you know and i would go to the doctor's room like who has a kid who has a kid is this this normal and 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 then someone like oh yeah mind you that was time to worry about yeah it's fine yeah so yeah uh, normal did they shove something up your nose that's probably also normal (laughs) i mean you still have to address that but is it unusual (laughs) sadly no not that unusual but yeah, it's it's that non-knowledge that is like, I have some awareness of things, but could I apply it in a useful form? No, not even a little bit. It's like yeah, my Juris yeah. doctorate, not a doctor. No, <laughs> not even close. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I've always enjoyed reading things like the medical, the medical thriller aspect. And I enjoyed this so much more because I felt like I really was getting to work in a real hospital and be with these yeah. real patients and that ward and oh the the daughter of the man <laughs> named after that part, the running. I mean, that's just the thing. This is this is hilarious in so many ways that aren't big laughs, if that makes any sense. But just running jokes about things like somebody named for a war hero who actually probably wasn't in the war. Yeah. <laughs> just like so, the fact that this woman had no power like to like hold press conferences yes. wherever, whenever she wanted to. I was like, you know, good for her. 
<laughs> I feel like she and Louise should have been friends. <laughs> You're like, I'm shipping them. I like those two. I know. I'm like, those two need to go on a road trip. <laughs> there we go. There's, there's that's, the spin-off. that's the spinoff. That's the sequel. Or like, there'll be fan fiction once this is like made into a movie or something. And people will write um, sapphic fan fiction about mm-hmm. Louise. Perfect. And, wow, yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. I'll be the one doing it. So okay. Please do. Yeah. There. It's going to be me. It'll, be. it'll be the Fifty Shades of Grey, and everyone will be forgotten this book a long time ago, and it'll be the. It'll be the it's fine. It's it's fine. You know what? Because so long as you get residuals every time, and then people go, "Oh, did you know it was actually based on something?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, oh I did that." And then they're going to go read it, and it'll have like the third cover, and it'll have the movie cover where oh, there goes your my bookmark, and it'll have like the face of like Timothy Chalamet. It's gonna, yeah, Timothy Chalamet looking like a junkie, mm-hmm. and um, uh, a de-aged Ewan McGregor in the background, like Ooh. Or, or or Eddie Munson, but not the long yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember his name. It's Robert something, I think, but. If, if my friend Frances were watching, she would correct me quickly and say, no, but I'm not going to hop on IMDb during the broadcast to check myself. No, we'll do it after. It's fine. Before I wreck myself, <laughs> I'll put it in the comments. So, yeah. Simon, how did you make the jump from physician to full-time writer? Like, what was yeah, that? Because this sure. is... That's a <laughs> well because this is book three, and each yeah. one I feel like has been totally different. So I was going to ask where you're going next, but I think yeah, Jen's question makes more sense to get us from physician to the first book, and then each one has been almost a different genre. Sure, yeah. So 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 the first question, um, uh, I I mean I always wrote like from when I was you know young, and and I guess partly this is just based on going to medical school in the UK is quite a different thing than going to in the US because in the US you do it as your postgraduate degree which means you're uh, you know how, how 22 say 23 when, when, when you're deciding that and in Britain you do it as your undergraduate degree which means you're you know 15 or 16 frankly when you're choosing what you're going to study in high school that you're going to then um, yeah. and and that's fine if you know, you're smart and you know what you're doing and you know what the world is. And if you're not in you, just at the wrong time. 16, uh, I would, How would anybody know at 15 or yeah. 16? I made terrible decisions at 15 sure. and 16. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I did too. I decided to become um, a doctor. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah, the first season of ER started just at exactly the wrong time. And I, oh, I want to do that. That looks good. And so the irony of then ending up out here writing story for a living, it turns out that, you know, probably what I liked about ER wasn't actually emergency rooms and blood and operations, but it was actually story. But it took me many years to to figure that out. So I always, um, uh, you know, I enjoyed medicine. It's it's a great career. It's so fascinating, you know, and in terms of training for being a writer, you know, you get to spend all this time, you know, you know, at the cold face, hearing people's secrets and meeting them at their most dramatic times of their lives and stuff. Um, but I, I always wrote, I sort of, um, uh, I, um, start like I, I entered competitions that was always my thing was just entering every competition I could find and uh, I when I was about 23 I was they had this national short story competition in Scotland I didn't win it but I was a finalist and that to me was my sign that I'd made it I was now a great writer it was official and so I took six months out of medicine to write my great book of literary short stories because what they needed was a book of literary short stories by me when I was 23 um, <laughs> thank god nobody published them so so so, so otherwise so it's not out there lingering yeah um and so so um but one of them did get made into short film and that kind of led to some work like in television and i fell into that for a while blah 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 and then um i lost my brother in the tsunami in thailand and so at that point i kind of uh had a reassessment and felt like you know medicine was 
the thing I should be doing thing in it. So I went back to medicine and, you know, but during that, then I kind of, on my evenings and weekends, I was writing this thing, which I didn't think was actually going to be a memoir. I thought I was just writing it for myself for, you know, remember my brother and stuff. And then um, that came out uh, and kind of, kind of did okay. And again, you know, I thought I've made it. I'm a great writer now. This is it. I'm going to quit, quit my job again. The world's ready. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like always, always. And so, and so, 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 so I quit my job to, um, you know, to write my great novel. Cause you know, I'd written a memoir and now I thought that's what happens is you write novel. I just couldn't do it. Like, like, like I started about 15 different novels and I just couldn't, um, you know, nothing was nothing. Yeah. I, like, I mean, like when I say start, I mean like, you know, maybe the first 10 pages, like, 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 you know, just, I just, just still, couldn't. Still 10 pages. That's, yeah. that's, that's 150. That's a whole book. This is true. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I am, uh, and I was, I was living with a friend of mine at the time and he, um, he was great. I mean, he sort of like, you know, took me out for coffee one morning. He's like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I have to write this great novel. I've written a memoir. I'm not, and I have to write this great novel. It's what the and, world is expecting. Yeah, yeah. It, Where's it, your it, novel? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And then he said, well, it's not really happening right now, is it? And I was like, well, I mean, no, you're you're right. And he said, but you used to kind of enjoy writing those screenplays, right? That was all right. And isn't that isn't that a quicker thing? Like, like, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's at least quicker to write one. You know, you can get one done in, you know, a couple of months or something. And uh, um he said, Look, why don't you do that for a bit? And, you know, and, and so I did. And I wrote a screenplay about a depressed doctor who hated his job and desperately needed a change in his life. And again, I don't know where the idea came from. I know, which is you just pulled that idea out of the universe. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then I got this weird bit of luck where, where, where my life changed. And someone, um, uh, everyone in London read it and quite liked it, but didn't really know what to do with it. And someone in Los Angeles read it and liked it. And it kind of got passed around town. And suddenly I had like, you know, I came out and had some meetings and I was, had like an offer to write a television pilot and things like that. So, so so I ended up here and I spent the next, you know, probably the next seven or eight years as a as a screenwriter. And then, um, I, yeah, a few years ago when I was at Pixar, you're not allowed to you're, you're, you're not allowed to work on anything else apart from the job. That, they that own you at Pixar. They, 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 they do, except mm-hmm. you're allowed to write prose. So you're not allowed to write prose, but you're allowed to write prose. So, so I started writing the book that became Set My Heart to Five. And then, um, uh, you know that that came out a couple of years ago, and then with this one, um, yeah, like like in ter- I guess this is where we go to the like the, the different genres and things. Um, I suppose I just I consume just media in like all sorts, right? Like 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 I love a thriller, I love a comedy, I love you know a horror. I actually don't love horror; that's not true. But like, yeah, I can. Sorry, Jen. Well, I write um, literary horror, so yeah, it's yeah. well, that's that's the, <laughs> that's the kind I like. I, 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 absolutely. So. Um, uh, Yes, yeah, so, 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 so I guess it's always seemed to me like uh, unusual that I would try and, you know, restrict myself to one. And, and, and it just kind mm-hmm. of feels like wherever, you know, wherever the, the idea comes, that sort of like yeah. then dictates what it's what, what it's going to be. But in truth, like, you know, I suppose they all like, you know, like, even though they're all very different, like, you know, I set out to write a probably set out to write a medical thriller and it, and it you know, became like, you know, it's a bit funny and all the rest of it. And like, likewise, <laughs> set out to write like a moving sci-fi thing and became a bit funny and all the rest of it and and, and, I, and I suppose you just um you can't like uh, you can't really escape what, what, you can't you escape know. you can you, you can't, I know. it's your voice and that but that's yeah, like the voice. strongest thing of your books is like this you know sometimes people die just has like this incredible voice set my heart to five an incredible voice and like you can't fake that 
And it's just going to be there no matter what you write. Yeah. So. Pretty much any, I, I don't care what you write next. I want to read it. It could be in any genre. I will want to read it because that voice is what carries it. And I think this is where as an avid reader and someone who would like to be a more successful author, that whole idea of voice is number one. And then the idea of restricting someone to a specific genre just drives me bonkers because my favorite authors don't do that, but it's their voice I'm looking for. So you can tell me any kind of story so long as it's told in your voice. That's all yeah. I want. It doesn't have to fit in a specific category, but then it's like, okay, then what does your agent do with you? Because exactly that was going to be my question. What goes, does your agent say? <laughs> and goes, okay, well, this came out. I don't remember what set my heart to, to five. Who, who published that? And this is Hanover Square Press. There's a little squirrel. It's cute. And, and I don't know if that's the same or, or if you're able to, if each one has to be shopped separately, or if they just don't know what's your brand, we love it, but we don't know what it is. Yeah. So, 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 so really important question. And I think, yeah, like, like, like I'm super lucky to have, you know, had some support. So, so this one it, in America it is the same publisher as, um, uh, as set my heart to five. And, and, and so they've been great. They just, you know, they, I, I tend to write them without telling people what I'm doing. So, you know, they get like a surprise of like, you know, and, and, and they could easily have said like, what the hell, you know, they're like, we were expecting I, I, set my heart to six. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, good idea. So, but yeah, bless them. Bless them. They, 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 they were super supportive with that. Um, uh, the, the agent side of things is, you, you know, interesting. It's, it's a little bit different. And again, just, you know, I like to be sort of, you know, honest and upfront about everything. So, 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 so I had a, with Set My Heart to Five, I had a, a brilliant agent in London who, who was wonderful. And, you know, she really kind of got behind that book. And that was, you know, she was such an integral part of that. Um, just my sort of circumstances changed a bit in terms of like realizing I was going to be based here and all of, all of, all, 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 all of that stuff. Um, and then in truth, I think, you know, with, with this one, she didn't necessarily, um, like, 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 like she liked it, but I think she had those concerns about, you, you, you know, we, we've been building this thing, you, you know, it's very confusing now to, to try something else. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so, 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 so we agreed to, you know, part amicably and, and left, left the door open. And, and I was very lucky that, you know, I have a screenwriting agent here in Los Angeles, who's great. And she's at a, a company where they, they have book agents and I met someone there and she's just been absolutely fantastic. In fact, I have to give credit to her because I don't often um, take notes from people, but it was actually, it was actually sort of in response to something she said that that's actually why we have those nonfiction bits in the book. So, uh, <gasps> um, yeah. Oh, her, well we like done. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and a big lesson to me that like, maybe I should listen to other people. from now. <laughs> yeah. It was a life lesson, Simon. Yeah. It's that bit yeah. from the Lego Batman movie where it's like Batman's good ideas, like thousands and everyone else good ideas all along you know like <laughs> my brain's thinking oh dear what else have i turned down over the years that, like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. well too late now it's fine moving forward that's <laughs> moving forward yep but, no but need I mean, to dwell on it <laughs> but you point out something that's important that over an author's career people do change agents and they change editors and they, they change that and it's not like oh well, once you have an agent, you're just locked in place and everything just moves swimmingly. That is so not this industry. I was doing this earlier about like your career and that's that's just this industry and it's just really kind of confusing from the outside because so much of it's black box when people don't talk about things, but that's kind of the normalcy of, hey, you shift.
shift. And then if your trajectory shifts, it may not work because they may not have the contacts in that or, oh, hey, this person really isn't doing this genre anymore. And that's the genre you're going towards. And I know for me, I write in multiple genres too. And that makes it hard as well because you're like, oh, well, I don't want to be restricted to only be able to write here because what if the muse takes me over that way? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. It's and you, but you, you have, you, you have different names, don't you? For, 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 mm-hmm. for, for, for yeah. 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 I mean, and my, mine are all just versions of my own name, but I always, I determined that Alice and Martine sounded more romantic because Martine is French and French is romantic versus <laughs> yeah. Hubbard. Cause that's, you know, how old mother Hubbard, nobody wants to read romance by old mother Hubbard, but using, I would. <laughs> you love me and that doesn't count. Um, I love but, you and I love animals. And you love have animals. <laughs> There were animals in, in the, the one that died on stuff. But yeah, I, I have. No, I meant old mother Hubbard had animals. Um, Didn't she? No. I don't, I I don't have kids. Hubbard, yeah, she had a dog. That she, there was no bone for the dog. She, Yeah, the other one was the old old lady lived in a shoe who had so many children. She didn't know what to do. I'm uh, more like that. I, I mean, I have three and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> but, no, but, the, but, uh, but writing under a separate name helps for the genre distinction. But when I had signed with my, my prior agent, I was only signing specifically for the speculative fiction realm because I'd already had my my yeah. romance stuff out there. And so we had carved that out specifically, but if I would have written more while I was with her, it would have been different, but it's all just a mess now, but still going forward, it would be nice to have somebody who could handle all those things. And a lot of agents are like, well, no, I only have contacts here and you need to have the contacts. Otherwise the editors are like, I'm not reading anything from you. What is this? What is this? Where'd you get, how did you get this number? Get out of here. (laughs) They just send you out. Get out of here. But but Simon can go anywhere he wants because Simon can go anywhere he wants. No, no, like like like, again, I I would really push back against that. Like I've definitely had, you know, as you say, like like these up and down. I've I've had Mm -hmm. plenty of moments in my my life and career when I've been you, you know sending out letters to slush piles and uh, you, you know hoping for hoping for callbacks and and you know you know my my expectation is you know that will happen again and again like it's happened so many times through, throughout my career that that like I just assume that that's you know that, that's, that's the, the cycle the job. That's yeah, the yeah, only yeah, constant yeah. is that your next book you're going to write and it's going to be completely different from sometimes people die and then, then it will be horror and you'll just be like I don't even like horror now what do I do <laughs> yeah, what you'll have I this write? clip that you can, you can play and me saying I hate horror and I yeah. hate horror that will be, and that will be your press package yeah. I hate horror here is my horror novel yeah. Yeah. this but, is but my literary horror novel hey, yeah, that was me in romance so but it's a shame, isn't it? Because there, there are these, I, th- I think the one good thing about being in the same genre is, is there's these nice communities that like, you know, with this sci-fi book, I kind of felt like I started to get to know some people in that world and that was great. And then I was just at a crime festival in Scotland uh, and I was, this is great. You, you people sort of, And of course, at the end, they were all saying, see you next year. Because they like, all, you know, they all write these series of books where, like, they have one. And you're like, maybe. And stuff. Yeah, and, and I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll be here. Like, I don't, I'll have to, you know, think of an idea really quickly and you know so and yeah it's a shame yeah like convention hopper so, going to all the different ones like next year it's exactly. fantasy yeah. next year it's <laughs> and well so most of what i write so far that's out there is in the horror space but the my current work in progress that's going to be going out on sub this fall is not horror Ooh. um and it's i always say like crime crime ish i don't yeah. know i again i I was reading your book and I just kept thinking, I'm just going to tell my agent to read this book. And even though my book is nothing like this, I'm going to be like, see, we could, we could make the genre of crime-ish. That, that crime-ish. 
Like yeah, Crimeish, yeah, yeah. but mostly it's like a quirky character do, doing stuff, and then there's no, and it, maybe crime. So this didn't even occur to me until I was until we were having this conversation that I feel like, in many ways, what you write is if John Irving was writing a medical book because he doesn't. But but just yeah. the the character driven and it's and it's funny and it's this larger story rather than this really intense period. But it's very much about the characters and watching people go through highs and lows. And again, high literary merit. And yes, I. Did did have conversations with my high school teacher about whether or not I was allowed to reference John Irving on the AP English test. And he said, no, he said, well, why not? I read it. Don't I get credit for it? And he said, no. So again, but these are, these are the kind of things where, well, what does that fit into? And people just go literature. But then as soon as you start sending it in a hospital, it's like, well, now it's a medical thriller. It's like, what is it? Yep. And, 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 and I think maybe we can use this to our advantage because certainly like, you know, I found that mentioning the word crime, definitely you know pe people's ears prick up like, they like, start like, to like, listen more than yeah. if you're going up it's upmarket medical nobody fiction. knows what upmarket means mm -hmm. including the people who have it on their manuscript <laughs> <laughs> So this is the industry. <laughs> but yeah, no, crime's really big and you know, true crime is really big. And so having having those true crime snippets, you're like, it has a flavor of true crime in there, but I made up the story. I didn't really, you know, and I wasn't involved in this. And please don't make me pee in a cup. You know? <laughs> I won't, but thank you anyway. But all those things, I think I think a lot of people like those kind of things, and it has kind of a true crime feel because it's not an over-the-top dun 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 kind of thing that happens in a lot of the medical thrillers where it's I mean, some of the medical medical thrillers I read when Robin Cook was doing them where he's like, this is my genetically altered son that I've made from the DNA that I spliced with a dinosaur. I'm not sure I'm remembering that one correctly, but I think that sounds about right. I think that might I be a little bit Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> finding them, but I mean, I think some of some of um, Michael Crichton's stuff was kind of mm. medical thriller, because wasn't that Andromeda Strain? Yes. Yeah, there's no dinosaurs in Andromeda Strain, mm. but I was reading all of those back in the 90s, so let's pretend mm -hmm. I have Oh, uh, the 90s. I remember what happened back mm. then. And, and and er actually right because er was Michael yeah. Crichton as well but it was like yeah. I, I, I had because it wasn't ever a book it was um uh I wonder if I can remember this story where, where, when I first came out to America I met with this agent and I was telling him this thing about why I you know that I became a writer because of er and he said oh that's funny I'm I'm responsible for er and and it, and it was to do with I guess so 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 so, so when Michael Crichton was writing the book of Jurassic Park like mm -hmm. word got around that he was writing this book about a theme park of dinosaurs and all the studios of course were desperate to buy it and Michael Crichton was like refusing to take any meetings with them because he wanted to finish it first um <laughs> like nice as it would be right yeah yeah and so that's, um, that's uh, a good problem to have <laughs> yeah. and uh apparently Steven Spielberg you know called up his agent and said what has he got in the bottom drawer that I can buy? <laughs> What's just and, hanging around? Yeah, 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 yeah. And his agent said, "Well, he's got the. He, he used to work in the emergency room, and he wrote this thing set in the emergency room. And uh, um, you know, he's always wanted to do something with that." And Steven Spielberg said, "Great, I'll buy it. Just if I can get lunch with him, you know. So I'll buy that, and then we'll have the lunch where we celebrate that, and I'll talk to him about Jurassic Park." And uh, 
and that's what happened. And and that's and then hilarious. that's why that's you know he bought it just not. Pla- and then it sat again for like you know years and years. And then someone else you know read it and kind of you know went to buy it from Steven Spielberg. And that's why Steven Spielberg is still listed to this day as an executive producer on uh, on ER. I so, didn't know that. Yeah. I love that. And ER yeah, was, was one of my favorite shows for like it wasn't a million Vital years. Signs, it wasn't was it? I'm trying to remember who wrote Vital Signs because I think that was Robin Cook too. But that was another. Yeah. One thrillers that i read back then that was, that was like my jam when i was in high school and yeah did i did i use robin cook's um sphere as a comp for my book now yeah i did and it's not cool to be using as a comp uh-huh but i did anyway because again it was weird and i liked it but I, I, there's not really a lot of comps sometimes when you're writing something that doesn't really fit in a narrow category where everybody's like yes we hit these same five plot points and everybody knows exactly what to expect and sometimes readers like that because they want to have that certainty and there's not a lot of certainty in here like i didn't know a lot of stuff going into this about what was going to happen or how things were going to happen or how things would resolve or not but you just kept throwing twists at us and i just i love i don't want to say anymore but i love exactly i can't i liked what was happening (laughs) i didn't usually i can guess the killer whenever there's a killer i can guess it didn't guess it oh well my first guess didn't get and then i think third guess was the correct one i got it you did i really wanted it to be somebody very specific Oh, you have to tell us after we go live because we will not do spoilers yeah. on the show. Yeah, but, exactly. But later so parts of it, even the later stuff, I was just like, I was, I was just laughing out loud and loving it and picturing these these later scenes that happen because, as you point out, it's an older narrator talking about something that happened a long time. So there is a passage of time that happens in there. So I will say. I will say no more. Than, <laughs> so what are you working on now? Because that was as you keep hopping genres, and you may not go back to the Edinburgh Crime Festival if you're like, I'm not doing any more crime now. Mm-hmm. My crime days are over. I'm reformed. <laughs> um, it's a t- tough one. So, so um, when Set My Heart to Five came out, I, I, you know, had this terrible thing that came out, and you have this nice time where you talk to everyone and it's great, and then you know when that all ends, you end up, you know, back in your small room with your blank page, and you think, yeah. what am I going to write now? And so. I vowed that time that by the time the book that became Sometimes People Die came out, I would already be like well into the next one. So I wouldn't have that terrible moment of thinking, what what am I going to do? Okay. Um, of course, I've done nothing about that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. so I, I now have this terrible moment of um, what am I going to do next? Um, and uh, I mean, I did, like, like I do sort of, I always, you know, like... I, th- I feel like like I gestate things for a really long time. Like I probably wanted to write yeah. a medical book for about twenty years, you know. You know, and so you know, there's a couple of things that have been you know gestating for that long that you kind of think is it is it is it, is it time for this? Is it baked and then, yet? <laughs> exactly <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Or did yeah. it, nope, got to go back yeah. in the oven. <laughs> go, go back in. Is, is that, and then, um, but then in terms of like you know earning a living and stuff, I have some you know. There's like a few screenwriting things that are on the go that you. I need to do to you know make sure I get health insurance and things. And, Those are um, good things. Yeah, no, no, I've healed myself absolutely. with good insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a shock for you being here, where everything is not automatically covered. I, whenever I talk to my friends in the UK, they're like, "Wait a second, your your children have to pay for dental care." I'm like, "Yes, your children need to." Yes, yes, they we do. have to pay for everything. We have yep. to pay yep. for everything, and yes, we have insurance. It's just yep. not covering everything. So yeah, although, although like 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 yeah, I have to say that like um. I mean, the NHS in Britain is in really dark times right now. Like uh, we've had, you know, we've had a sort of for us like a fairly right wing government for 15 years now. And 
you know the health service is you know on its knees like like all the sort of you know like the pandemic i think was obviously a big challenge to it but like you know just horror stories of you know people waiting you know days when they get to hospital to be seen by a doctor and mm-hmm. um uh you know all the everyone's like super demoralized and and you know in the winter it gets very stressful and, yeah. and people keep saying this might be the winter where it finally finally collapses if they don't put some more money into it so um so 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 so, yeah it's um it's a shame because you know 15 years ago it was genuinely the most you know efficient and effective health service in the world and so hopefully we can hopefully we can get back there um soon i hope so um, uh yeah i'm pretty lucky being here with my with my right school health insurance (laughs) (laughs) well whatever you write next we will definitely have you back on the show we adore you we adore your work wonderful it's mutual so thank you so much for being here simon thank you thank you for writing this book that we love so much so people who are watching this live or on the replay make sure you get sometimes people die it is released next week it came out uh, today? No, no, today? Yeah, yesterday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all I, a blur I, I, thought, to I thought, me. thought it was today. It might be yesterday. It's 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 out. It's out. It's out. Yeah, it's, it's yesterday. Out. Yes. Yes. I was talking about it with an indie book club, and they're like, "Ooh, tell me more about that one." I'm like, "Well, it's not out yet, but it'll be out really, really soon. So hold on, and then go get it because they're they're all." My, my husband was like, "I'm going to get the audio book," and this was last week, and I'm just like, "It's not out yet." How do we? Well, I've I've been hearing great things about the audiobook, so uh, so 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 well, if he does get it, let, he is let, going let to get it because, because it's a, yeah, it's a Scottish accent. So let me know how oh, he gets he's on with, gonna the, love it. with the Scottish accent. Oh, yeah. so now now I'm going to listen to it too. So thank you, Simon, so much for being here. Thank you, thank everybody, you for, for tuning in. Make sure to check us out next week when we have the author of A Child Alone with Strangers, Philip Fracassi, joining us. So we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you, guys.